Welcome to the Science of Parenting podcast, where we connect you with research-based information that fits your family. We'll talk about the realities of being a parent and how research can help guide our parenting decisions. I'm Mackenzie Johnson, parent of two littles with their own quirks, and I'm a parenting educator. And I'm Suzanne Bartholomew. I'm an associate professor who strives to help people increase their financial security, and I'm the parent of a high schooler. Mm-hmm. And here we are in our last episode of this season. Gone, like we've said, it's like gone fast, but also we've been doing this a long time. Like it's bold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but today we are. We've been talking all season about kids and money, and today. We're actually going to like frame this whole conversation we've been having all season into like the context, right? So we're talking about kids and money and we're talking about uh, how we talk with them about financial capability and how we are socializing kids and all of these things. But we're going to talk about the context of really like the marketplace, right? So like how they make these decisions, where they're making them, they're doing this in the marketplace. I don't know. <laughs> and so talking about consumption and how they can be re- good consumers and some of the challenges and opportunities we have, you know, raising kids to be good consumers. But okay, but actually, actually, you were like, hey, hold on, not good consumers. So I'm breaking my own rule of like, we're not going to say parenting is good or bad. So not good consumers, right? You had other words. There were better words. Let's choose a better word. It wasn't good. It was Um, Yeah, good was a little judgy, I felt. Yeah, we're like, not judgy. We're not going for that. Mm -mm, No, so we want them to be responsible, savvy, smart, um, discerning. I mean, Mm. there's a lot of of words that we could use. A lot of better ones. Rational. Uh, Rational is a tough one, but... (laughs) <laughs> mostly, mostly re- and responsible. Did I say responsible? Did I yes. start with that? Yeah. Yes. Gotta I, re- yeah. Responsible feels like a good one. And that's, as I think about, you know, each of us have our own values we're bringing to the table, of course, in this conversation uh, that we've been having all season. But ultimately, we do want our kids to know how to succeed in, you know, in whatever financial reality that is when they become adults. And so part of that is being responsible consumers. And so we, there's actually a few terms in this episode, you know, I love, you know, I love a definition and a term, but one in particular is this idea of consumption. Um, So Suzanne, can you define that for us? Sure. Yeah. So we're talking about working, uh, navigating the marketplace. We have income that we earn. So we have dollars Mm -hmm. that we have to spend. And so that is consumption. It's the use of a good or a service and yeah. um, money is one way we get there. So we, um, we're we all consumers and we're always consuming day, night, the moment <laughs> we're born till, till even our death, Ugh. you know, but there's decisions about our final, you know, final burial and things. I mean, we're yes. still consuming after we have died. <laughs> okay. I gotta, I gotta I, confess. When you first said you're like, yeah, from birth, every day, every minute, I was like, no, like, <laughs> I'm not consuming when, you know, I was like fully prepared to like, not when I'm asleep. And then I was like, okay, but I guess like I'm consuming like the heating or air conditioning maybe in my home. I'm also utilizing like a mattress and bedding. Uh, I also right like and white noise like a fan. The always the fan. I always have a fan on. Uh, right, but it's like. I was prepared to be like, no, and then I'm like, oh man, it is always because it's sometimes it's material stuff, right? Like I'm using a, like using a thing, but sometimes it is like you mentioned like heating or like electricity or yes, services, goods, products (laughs) all the time, all the time. 
all the time. I know. I know. We think about, um, you know, yeah, like maybe you have to be at the store to be a consumer, you know, that you're going mm. out and you're getting food or you're buying clothing. But uh, no, it's not just when we're spending. No, it's- like food, products, information. We're consumers of information, consumers of entertainment, of materials, of services. Like, yeah, of like, I mean, yeah, you literally saying like heating and electricity. <gasps> right. Yeah. And yeah. I also mentioned like collectively we're consumers of what we want out of our government like state or federal mm. government services and products too like yes right that when we vote as consumers mm-hmm. we are we're consuming yeah okay so we are always consuming and yeah so, so even, <laughs> even if my first thing was no i'm like okay okay you sold like yes <laughs> what i really thought about i'm like yeah but i needed to get out of the mindset of consumption as only material things like consumption as stuff because it's not always just stuff, like you said, like services or um, things like that. And yeah, 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 yeah. So I gave you the definition of consumption, mm-hmm. right? And so we have been talking about financial well-being and how it's we don't make decisions in isolation. And what we mm-hmm. want to do as parents, right? And so it is it is consumption. Or, and consuming is is more complicated than just going to the store. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, you know, sometimes there are large pur- purchases. Mm-hmm. There are purchases from public utilities, like you mentioned, gas, water, heat. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want our children to be able to navigate the marketplace, right? So that yes. they n- understand um, n- number one, like what influences their buying decisions and what forces are at work. Um, Mm -hmm. We want them to have a healthy relationship with goods and services that, um, you know, our quality of life is dictated by goods and services. So the Mm. home we live in, the sheets that you're sleeping in, the clothes that you're wearing, whether or not you have electricity or water, which some families can struggle with having, um, Mm -hmm. you know, things shut off temporarily because they're behind on bills. Um, So that's that's a piece of being a, a consumer. But to be a responsible consumer and we've talked about financial abilities but there are mm-hmm. a set of techniques and skills that go along with being a responsible consumer and that's yes. what, where we want to get our kids yes yes and at the episode we're going to share some of those strategies and tips and <laughs> techniques that we can get a little specific with but i do yeah. like this idea of thinking about consumption you know I, i'll be honest when i think about consumption it's easy for me to like villainize it like consumption is bad it's making me spend my money like well, no, <laughs> um, it's more than one thing, right? And so I think of consumption in terms of purchasing is one thing, um, you know, and it can be like, if it's materialistic, there is this, if I know I'm like, I'm going to purchase this, I'm going to consume this thing, like a material good, there can be a like rush of dopamine, right? Like this hormone in our brain that is like, ooh, that felt good. That was exciting. And so it there can be this short-term feel good that happens with consumption um, or there's consumption, right? Where like heating or air conditioning that I don't have dopamine because I forget I'm consuming it. Um, <laughs> but there can be this short-term feel good. And so I do think as I think about specifically the term responsible consumption, that making sure it's really consumption that aligns with kind of our long-term goals, like financial goals and and the values that we have, and that aligns with hopefully financial well-being. So there is kind mm-hmm. of right. I I in my brain wanted to like consumption is so bad, but okay, it's not all bad, it's not all evil. But understanding healthy consumption and intentional consumption 
as compared to maybe things that don't align with our goals. Right. And you had another term. There's like another kind of other kinds of consumption. Right. Besides yeah. the healthy, responsible, intentional. Right. Right. And but and before I jump into that, mm -hmm. just as there's dopamine, like there's spikes of, of joy or yes. satisfaction that come with the purchase. Purchases come with regrets, too, which we haven't talked about. Yes. So that's something else we want to avoid is like buying something and then and then a day or two later saying, oh, why did I spend my money on this? Yes, right? absolutely. So, yeah. So just to throw that out there. But so two terms that can help us understand um, how overconsumption uh, can happen. One is conspicuous consumption. So that's defined as spending and consuming on a lavish scale. So yes. uh, that's buying lots of clothing and automobiles, houses, if you can afford them, but um, a lot of people can't afford them. And so mm -hmm. and to be able to be conspicuous, they maybe go into debt, right? Yes. Um, and and so, so conspicuous, if I can say it, conspicuous being like showing. It's consumption right. that's shown, right? Right, right. Because you're driven mm -hmm. by how other people think about you, about their personal opinion of how, like mm -hmm. a sort of image that you're trying to maybe put forth, um, being popular or being, you yes. know, a certain status. Um, and mm -hmm. so that's where conspicuous consumption comes in. And as Americans, that is, um, we are less than 5% of the world's population, but we consume more than a third of the world's resources. And so we are a nation oh um, that uh, knows how to be consumers. <laughs> Our, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And that idea of conspicuous yeah like showy consumption consumption to show what we've consumed <laughs> right and so yeah. i mean and my brain is like yeah yeah my brain is like brand name materials and all this stuff but also you know i'm like high-end purses like high-end things is what my brain goes to but that even happens within our kids right like the kind of mm -hmm. snack we maybe bring for our child's field trip <laughs> right the mm -hmm. brand of backpack right and so i think it's easy to think about it only in the extremes but there is this conspicuous consumption we can do and model for our kids whether we again intend to or whether it's just something that's kind of happening so conspicuous consumption and then what was the other what was the other one oh uh, affluenza so mm -hmm. this is a play on the word affluent and influenza Mm -hmm. And it's the keeping up disease, right? Which is yes. also tied to that conspicuousness, but it's defined officially as a feeling of unfulfillment that results from efforts to keep up with the rest of society. And the thought is that there's this uh, in an epidemic of stress, overwork, waste, over debt, over indebtedness, which I had talked about, mm -hmm. um, that's caused by consumers' pursuit of the American dream. So oh. it might be that many parents struggle with this now affluenza in the sense of maybe they're feeling too much pressure to keep up with things and pressure mm -hmm. to have certain items, live in a certain house, yes. drive a certain car. And that mm -hmm. creates the stress uh, and sometimes over indebtedness. And, and again, you know, we're talking about financial so socialization this season and that's what your kids are seeing if yes. you're, if you're, you know, they see you stressed. They pick mm -hmm. up on that. Mm -hmm. And that we're modeling, again, intentionally or unintentionally with our social, like we're socializing them to see we must do X, right? Like we must consume X. We must have mm -hmm. um, in order, but like, but it results in this, right? It can result in that stress and um, right. 
you know, and so there is more than one way, like there's pros and cons of that, uh, of that modeling that they're seeing, of course. Um, and so I do think as we think about the term affluenza, one fun little play on words there that like it's a disease, um, the affluenza, but also the showy or conspicuous consumption. Again, I, it does remind me like going back to that, is this in alignment with our financial well-being and our values and our financial goals, or is this consumption not in alignment? Um, and then, yeah, is it conspicuous in those things like that? And so thinking about that idea of consumption, right? So the use of a good or a service, but this is different. This is the other term that I was like, yeah, I thought that this was the same thing. Consumerism is another word. So similar consumption, consumerism, both have like this idea of consume, but they mean different things. So can you tell us what consumerism is? Yeah. So consumerism is a movement. And so as consumers, individuals who interact with the economy or in the marketplace, we have um, challenges because there's this kind of healthy relationship with um, healthy or sometimes tension with manufacturers and sellers. Um, and so um, the movement of consumerism was a result of needing to protect consumers who may be vulnerable or mm. may be um, victims of bad actors like okay. sellers or manufacturers who may be um, maybe grossly um, overstating, you know, the benefits of a product or um, maybe even being deceitful or fraudulent. So the official yes. definition is that consumerism is a movement whose objective is to measure, uh, is to ensure that the consumer will pay a fair price for quality goods and services in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually like, this is pretty hopeful, right? Like that there is a movement. Um, and I mean, you've even said the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau is a part of this movement, really, of like protecting consumers from like blatantly lying in advertising or having products, right? There's the, what is it called? The Consumer Product Safety Commission, right? Like safe products um, and things like that. So kind of protecting consumers and making sure it's, yeah, paying a fair price and things. That, that gives yeah. me some hope. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the, there's been a few waves of the consumer movement, but they really started early, like, well, in the late 1800s, mm -hmm. when, like with food labeling and food safety in particular, yes. where manufacturers would throw things like metals and acorns and things like fillers into food mm -hmm. that people are unaware of. Um, and yes. so there was a real fight against Congress and indifferent consumers, like not knowing any better not mm -hmm. responsible consumers, so that um, there had to be uh, legislation. And so there's all mm -hmm. sorts of governing bodies around advertising, around product safety, around consumer protection. And you named yes. like the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, yes. established in 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, but they have collected just on financial services and products, like $15 billion. Wow. $15 billion with a B yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of remedies for consumers who were, uh, you know, taken advantage of in some way by yes. a company. Yeah. Yes. And that idea of, you know, consumerism, yeah, protecting consumers, but also this idea that there is like a healthy adversarial, like a healthy tension between producers and consumers, right? Like kind of needing each other, but also, I don't want to say disliking, like, like, but like fighting each other a little, um, right? Like there might be competing goals, but they can also be in alignment. Um, but that this yeah. relationship does exist, like that, that this is there. <laughs> well, let's face it. There's a ton of products out there that we love. 
mm-hmm. that are convenient that we feel yes. like we can't live without, right? Yes. And and they came out of a need for most mm-hmm. likely. Otherwise, as, as consumers, we won't buy it if there if we don't want it, mm-hmm. right? And if we don't need it. Um, and so yeah, there is a tension, but at the same time. Um, you know, I think we were talking about like Shark Tank. There's a lot of products that get that, that come into Shark Tank. There's like, that's a fantastic idea. And and I it's somebody that wants to bring it to other people in need. It's not yes. and, and they want to make a living. I mean, it's when people are or maybe companies are overly profit oriented that mm. we try that that tension comes around. Yes. Potentially. Yes. <laughs> well, and I think that, you know, as we again like come back to okay, thinking about raising responsible consumers. The reality is that we exist in this marketplace, but that our kids will, even if it's not exactly how it is now, um, when they become adults and they have their own income and maybe their own families and things that we want to help them have the skills, the knowledge, the capabilities and things to be able to succeed kind of, I mean, by whatever definition that is, that basically know how to do it responsibly, do it informed, like to consume in a responsible and again, in alignment kind of way uh, that they're going to need to know how to use their own money to meet their own needs. So again, consume. <laughs> right, right. And so you want to teach them how can they use their income so that they get the most satisfaction. Yes. And so it's that piece that you're talking about where like there's, re- well, I talked about regret of, of purchases mm. or just getting this temporary feeling of pleasure that mm-hmm. um that that fades helping them understand you know that we're using our income to achieve our well-being there're a lot of paths to well-being and there's a lot of variability in in terms of what families choose right? absolutely absolutely well and then the other thing that i think about as i think about consumerism consumption and all of this is also like okay for some of us like i talk about like my young kids, right? And how they also are consumers of like the heating and AC, but also the products and the food and the clothes and the stuff. Um, But they're unique consumers, right? Like our young consumers are, they're kind of specific um, and what they're influenced by in particular, right? Right. Yeah. So right now you're in control as a parent because you have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, right? And so you're bringing the goods and the services we're, we're talking like economists here. You're bringing yeah. the goods and the services <laughs> to your household, into your home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're controlling that. But that at about age six, the parental influence starts to decrease. Uh, it's mm-hmm. still there, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, we have friends start to influence, schools influence, um, churches or religious organizations. And then most importantly and strongly, advertising. So mm-hmm. after age six, they start picking up on those other influences in terms of buying and thinking about consuming yes and i i i mean yeah this hits home my like i've said my daughter is six and i do really literally within like the last week or two i was kind of having this internal struggle if you will of my daughter was talking about i mean i mean it was like something on youtube that she liked and i was like "Eh, i don't love that and typically i up to this point, because my kids have been younger, I would, I've focused on like control of their consumption, right? Like, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to put like increase the burner controls or change the rating or control the apps that are on the device we use or whatever. And it, but I really kind of had to take pause and say like, okay, but she's getting other influence, right? Like she's at the age now where she 
I kind of use the word diluted, right? So like I might be still the main force of influence for my child's consumption, but as they get older, more things kind of come into the pot and dilute that I'm not the 100% influence anymore. And so I have been kind of having this struggle of like, okay. And so I've been kind of trying to shift my role, which we talk about in a different season, uh, podcast season, but to like, okay, maybe control is not my role anymore. And as they get older, and maybe I do have to shift more to this like interpretation idea. We talk about our parenting stage when kids are school age being the interpretive stage and okay, I'm not, instead of you can't, uh, or you won't, um, do those things. It's maybe, how am I going to talk with you about them or help you understand how they do or don't fit with our family values or um, it's tricky though. It's hard. It's, it's a balance, right? <laughs> providing yeah. access, providing mm -hmm. control and then providing independent thinking and choices. Yes. Yes. So and yeah, I can't maintain <laughs> the control I had over my three-year-old when she was three. Right. And like my son who's three, I won't have that for forever. <laughs> That's not no. how it's going to work. And so, but it is, it is a new territory maybe is what I want to say for us um, as parents that were like, okay, we, we're going to have to shift out of the, well, I just won't let you watch that into, well, you might watch it anyway. Um, and so we have to kind of change our role is what our mm -hmm. role is. Um, and I do think that is something that's kind of, I think there are challenges we face like parenting today related to raising responsible consumers that maybe my parents didn't face and your parents didn't face. Um, some things stay the same, but some things have changed. That mean that as parents these days, we have to maybe have more tools or more information or new ways of doing things. Um, and so there are, there's some unique challenges and opportunities uh, as we think about raising responsible consumers. And so we really just kind of compiled like a little list here and we're going to spit them at you. So one is being advertising, just the just the prevalence of it. Like, you know, it used to be before, you know, smartphones, really, you would see advertising like on a billboard or in a store or maybe like in a TV commercial. And it was explicit advertising, right? Like that is clearly an ad. And it was in whatever space, like it was either with the TV on or off, or it was like in the store or I'm not in the store. But now we carry advertising like in our pockets, right? In our smartphones, on the devices we let our kids use. And so that one, there's just more of it, but also digital advertising is often one of the articles you sent, Suzanne talked about blurring that it often blurs the line between entertainment and advertising. So I think of like influencers, right? Someone who's just talking about a product, but is it advertising or is it entertainment versus like also someone, I even think of like the YouTube videos with kids playing with toys. They often are making money off of when those toys sell. And so that blurring one, so prevalence of advertising and then the blurring that often happens for advertising, digital advertising is those are concerns that previous generations of parents maybe didn't have to struggle with. Right. Yeah. I think with the introduction of digital devices, for sure, there, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's so much more advertising embedded in games and like you're saying, YouTube. Yes. Um, yeah. It's so. not just at the store or when the TV is on, it's just here. It's just around. All the time. Yeah. 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 And what's changed is also is that kids have these devices that are that, that are their own. So mm -hmm. um previous generations used to be like one TV in the fa you know in the family household. Now 
uh, it seems that there's, you know, multiple televisions. Some kids have TVs in their bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. So these single use devices are now like tablets and cell phones. Um, that's one, those are more prevalent. And then it means that um, we're maybe not with our children when they're on the tablet or on yes. their cell phone. So you're in the kitchen, you know, or, uh, you know, somewhere else in the house, your mm -hmm. child's in their bedroom, and you're not there really to monitor uh, what content they're seeing. So mm -hmm. that's, I think, different as well. So um, we can't really talk to them then, right, about what, what they watched if they did see an advertisement or something yes. that you would like to review with them. <laughs> like the opportunity to overhear a TV commercial, right, versus right. a child with headphones on on an iPad, right? Like yeah. we don't he overhear it and can't interact. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's one thing. So those single use devices more prevalent and then also just more products in general, right? There's a greater mm. variability or, or not very, yeah, greater variability in like product lines and just more mm. products in general that have been created, whether we can use them or not. Um, mm. Right. And so that means that uh, it's just more difficult, I think, for us as consumers to make choices. We know that the research shows that more choices, <laughs> we can get paralyzed. Um, and it's also hard to discern what quality there is among products. Yes. So that's another challenge for consumers and parenting a responsible consumer. Mm -hmm. My in-laws have even talked about like when they were buying fridges, when they bought their fridge 25 years ago, they're like, now there's so many choices and features and, and just that difference and that we are raising kids who are going to need to know how to succeed within that, how to consume responsibly within that reality of so much choice sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, a few other things that are unique to our more relevant uh, keep happening these days. One is more pathways to spending money, right? So it used to be like cash, cash only, right? Mm -hmm. Like you either had the coins and dollar bills or you did not. And now there's, I mean, I was going to say checks, but there are, but not as many, <laughs> but even just like debit cards, credit cards, right. But even like cards that are linked to a device. Um, or I have a friend who has a, I mean, funny because it didn't turn out to be detrimental to their family, but their child purchased something via like their Alexa or Google home. Um, right. And so there are these sometimes kids not realizing they're spending money. Um, <laughs> Like, I, yeah, having my card linked to one of our devices, like a tablet, and that money, spending money happens that way. And so it's not always as clear. Um, and there are pros and cons to that, right? Like reloadable allowance cards and things like that can be convenient. And sometimes there's challenges with it. Um, yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the invisibility you're talking about, of oh, yes. right? the abstractness of it, that they think it's natural. You know, if you have a device mm -hmm. in your home that you can interact with and can buy things that, mm -hmm. you know, that's natural to them. They don't make the connection that actually there is a cash or, or there is a financial transaction that's involved with yes. interacting with that home device. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's also, <laughs> you know, that goes along with kind of the last one that I had here was like the increased access to purchasing, right? So not only there's more pathways and like you said, more products, like more choices, but also just the like shopping online, right? I don't have to go physically into a store to purchase. I can do this with my device that's in my pocket, um, you know, which there's pros and cons of that too, because some of the benefits also means increased access to purchase can also mean increased access to like 
helpful services, right? Like there's things I can do online, like online banking. Whew, that's made my life easier than if I needed to physically go into the bank every time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you bring up what we call fintech. So that's mm -hmm. like um, a lot more products are available, whether it's like for in savings products, investing products, banking, as you mentioned, budgeting, that mm -hmm. um, audiences who may have traditionally been like disenfranchised or maybe mm -hmm. um, not comfortable going to a traditional financial institution, maybe not trusting a financial institution, now they can access different products through these technologies on their yes. phones. So I think that's a really a big, big plus. Definitely. And so there are realities, you know, I think sometimes people are like, oh yeah, it's always the same. And it's like, well, there are certain things like, why am I more focused on this than maybe than previous generations or things like that? There are realities that we face and that our kids will face. And so we do, we want to raise responsible consumers within this marketplace, like within this context. So. Which may be a more complicated than it used to be. Let's put it that way. Yeah. That's a great way to kind of summarize all of that. Like there are mm -hmm. different things and that's okay. We just acknowledge that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So then that kind of brings us back to this research, back to our research and reality, right? We we're talking some of the reality, bringing it back to the research is like, why is this a big deal? Like, okay, Mackenzie, like, okay, Suzanne, you're telling us about consumption. You're telling us about this all this stuff. What's the big deal? Um, and ultimately, the research tells us there is impact of these things. Um, one, related to the amount of consumption, right? Uh, yeah. So like this, you mean materialism? Yeah. Like over-consuming? Mm -hmm. um, what we're consuming? So if you think happiness is important, then... <laughs> Then, then that's then this matters. <laughs> then this, the, if you think happiness matters, then yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, we see in the research that uh, material materialism is pretty consistently linked with um, with our well being. So if we're overly materialistic, uh, we have a decrease in life 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 satisfaction, in happiness. Uh, and in social cooperation, in vitality. And then on the other side, greater uh, rates of depression, anxiety, antisocial behavior, and racism has mm. been shown to be um, affiliated with um, materialism. So that's mm -hmm. overconsumption, materialism, yes. and again, financial socialization by parents leading to consumer values, attitudes, habits, norms. All of it. Yeah. All of it. Well, and, you know, I feel like that really is kind of wrapping the full picture of the season, right? We've talked about socialization and well-being and all of these things. And really what we see is when we can raise responsible consumers, right, who do things in alignment with their values and their goals, as opposed to just consumption for the purpose of consumption, right? Or to be showy or, right, that idea of affluenza of keeping up, um, that that's harmful to them. Right. Yeah. That, like, yeah. It hurts their well-being, which as parents, we typically care about. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so if you we socialize, socialize our children to be more materialistic, mm -hmm. excuse me, uh, more driven by things like status, popularity, keeping up with other people and mm -hmm. worrying about the opinions of others, then that is uh, going to be a lot more detrimental than if we have them focus on more intrinsic intrinsic goals, things yes. like, um, you know, they're more psychologically linked um, mm. to well-being. So yeah. giving back to the community, having social connectedness, you know, experiences over products and, and services. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's one of the reasons it's like, what's the big deal? Well, it yeah. is linked to our well-being. Um, and another thing you've heard us talk about this in the episode in this episode is advertising. Um, and one of the reasons that we're talking about advertising is, you know, it's linked to how and what and how much we consume. <laughs> but the Federal Trade Commission talks about the concern about the amount of advertising that kids see and experience because the reason it's a big deal for kids is because kids often cannot tell the difference between ads and just entertainment content like a show, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, whatever it is, a game. Um, and so according to research from the American Psychological Association, also widely known as the APA, um, <laughs> research shows that kids under age eight are prone to accept all advertising as truthful, accurate, and unbiased. So the reason it's a big deal that advertising is everywhere if you will um and that our kids see a lot of ads is because our kids are a vulnerable population to harmful advertising right that they do not cognitively like in their brain does not yet have the capacity to always be that discerning and so we talk one of the articles you sent talked about pester power of our kids their ability to like ask and stick with it and ask and like please 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 oh even just say <laughs> even just saying it repeatedly out loud i'm like i'm sorry i just set off every parent listening <laughs> <laughs> um but that advertising can help drive that and our especially when our kids do not understand the purpose right advertising is typically meant to drive consumption um so in our family, I've talked about this before, I think, we talk about the gimmies. And that's my, like, three-year-old friendly way of, I'm not saying, like, you know what that ad wants you to do? It wants you to buy stuff with the money that we make from our job, with our income, right? We don't go into <laughs> all of it. But we talk about how sometimes a store might try to give us the gimmies by putting the candy right by where we are checking out um, in the grocery store. Or this ad on this game is trying to get me to get that game so that I can pay for it so that they can, you know, I consume the game. And so we talk sometimes about how advertising gives us the gimmies because my kids are six and three. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fantastic conversation to have um, so that they can understand that like, well, they're at the age where they cannot understand it. So they see their favorite character from a television show and it's linked to a product and they're like, Oh, I must have this. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't understand that they're being uh, manipulated and yep. um, advertisers uh, get paid to sell, you know, to help uh, manufacturers sell products. And mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. Right. My kids want this, the string cheese with a certain character. Right. Like that's the string cheese that I want because I align with that character, not because I care particularly about string cheese, not because <laughs> I've ever noticed there's a difference. Um, right. And so that that's power. That is yes. power that they have as these low consumers already. Yeah. These characters are endorsing products for, uh, you know, for them. Mm -hmm. So, it, mm. yeah. So that is a workaround for parents. Yeah. Yes, I, I've also heard the, I think I've said this before, putting like branded stickers on like fruit, <laughs> bringing stickers to the oh. store to basically trick our kids into. I've seen I like, I saw it. that somewhere. And it made me laugh. And I was like, that's kind of genius. <laughs> I haven't done it myself, <laughs> but I do think it's kind of genius. Well, the um, thought did cross my mind too, is like, do we do that with healthy, a lot of healthy food right? you know, where we have the link between the character? We need more mm -hmm. of that right? Nutrient dense foods. Yes. <laughs> but the good news is we're like, why is this concerning? Well, <laughs> uh, alongside the kind of concerns that we can have about the amount of advertising or about overconsumption, luckily there is good news. And Suzanne has actually some really specific strategies. Did I ask you earlier 
where we where we're pulling our strategies from. I know you had a good. It was it was good stuff. Oh, it's a simple consumer economics textbook. Oh, awesome. We love this. So these are 10 strategies for raising responsible consumers. And so we're going to kind of like spitfire them at you really quick, but just 10 things uh, that you can do to help raise responsible consumers. Yeah. And what that looks mm -hmm. like, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is that a responsible consumer shouldn't assume things. So they should mm -hmm. um, always ask questions. That's something we've talked about, uh, I think, in previous episodes that... Um, problems arise as a consumer if you have a misunderstanding about what the features or expectations, what the contract is for a product or a good or a service. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The next one, uh, a responsible consumer gets agreements in writing. The verbal word doesn't necessarily hold up. So um, if we're purchasing something or bartering, like even trading, right? Like I'll give you this, you give me that. Having things in writing, a uh, responsible consumer, that's something they do. Yeah. Number three, research things ahead of time before you go shopping for a product or a service. So you're well-informed, you know more, you'll be able to get a good deal, get the right product, um, ways to go about that. You might ask friends. There's great uh, consumer publications that have expert reviews that you could look at. Um, there's great comparison shopping you know, uh, programs in terms of looking at prices. Mm-hmm. Um, another one talking about price, uh, we want to consider the balance of price and quality when we're making purchases. So cheaper is not always better, right? Sometimes we need to consider like the durability, right? If I buy something, yes, it's cheap, but maybe I'm going to need to buy six of them. And then it's actually more expensive because in that amount of time, maybe I would have only needed one that actually cost less. So consider that balance of price and quality. Okay. When it comes to using service providers, it's important to do a little investigation. It's that asking questions piece, verify they're licensed. If they're providing a particular um, service that requires that check, if there's been any complaints against them and um, get references word of mm -hmm. mouth. Right. And I'm like childcare electricians. Those are all service providers. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes. <laughs> and do oh. they have like, yeah. Do they have their license? Are they bonded by an insurance uh, company if something goes wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, these are all things that you don't think about. Mm -hmm. Good consumers do. Or responsible. Yeah. Responsible yeah. consumers do. <laughs> not good. <laughs> not good. Oh, another thing for responsible consumers is not being bullied into buying something. Um, often into buying something right now. Right. So like that's a common sales tactic is like today only um, mm -hmm. because the reason it's a tactic is because it basically gets us out of our responsible consumer mindset of researching ahead and of making the decision that aligns with our values. Right. So not getting bullied into quick decisions. Right. And the next one is don't get fooled. Don't believe everything <laughs> that you see and you hear, because uh, if something seems too good to be true, it typically is. Mm -hmm. I've been fooled by that one. I've been fooled by a good ad or two. Can't believe everything <laughs> we see here. Uh, so another thing responsible consumers do is know the policies for returns or exchanges. Um, I actually recently made this error um, that I thought I could make it. I just assumed, oh, of course I could return this if it doesn't fit quite right. And then come to find out actually only I didn't know my policies. So knowing oh. about like returns and exchanges when you're purchasing something in case things go awry. Because that's another thing a responsible consumer does that's a part of it is what do i do after the after the purchase if i do have regret 
Yeah. So, so I have to go on a tangent for a minute. So as a consumer, we're informed. That's one aspect mm. of being a consumer, but then we're also rational. That's the mm. other part and not even regardless of age, you know, you can be mm. in your fifties and be irrational and uninformed. And yes. so as a parent, you're modeling your parent, you know, your kids are picking up and observing who you are as a consumer. Mm -hmm. You want to be that informed and rational consumer that you're modeling yes. for your child. Yes. So, yeah. So know your policies for returns and exchanges. And then the other one is to seek unbiased experts when you're making a purchase. And mm. the example of buying a used car, if you're going to buy a used car, bring, if you have a friend or you can pay a mechanic to come and check it out for you, you can um, avoid buying a lemon. Um, so mm -hmm. seek out that unbiased expertise. Absolutely. Uh, well, and yeah, that can be in the form of actual people, but also now there's, I even think of like consumer reports and like there are services, like places oh, yeah. you can get unbiased information. Definitely. Uh, okay. And then the final one, one I was not necessarily thinking about, uh, but responsible consumers guard their personal information, right? So knowing to protect ourselves from identity theft, things like don't give out your social security number. Uh, but it does. It protects us from fraud and exploitation and things like that. So that's another thing that uh, responsible consumers do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, as all part of this is knowing when you talk about identity theft and you talked about the F uh, Federal Trade Commission, there are agencies, you know, the first step for retribution or re remedy when you're mm been wronged in the marketplace, you go back to the seller. And if that doesn't work, there's all sorts of great consumer protection agencies for, for you to go to so that they can do the time and the effort. Mm. Um, Cause it is, can be time consuming to, to make things right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I loved these. Yeah. Right. Straight from the textbook. I love when we are able to pull things straight from the textbook. So 10 strategies for helping raise responsible, well, being and raising responsible consumers. So yeah. lots of good stuff here. We do have a minute to do our last. Are you prepared, Suzanne? Our last stop, breathe, talk space of the season, inviting our producer, Mackenzie DeYoung, in to ask us an off-the-cuff question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So because it is the last uh, episode of the season, my question for you is what, um, either personally or like for what you want to share with our listeners, what was your big aha of the season what was your big like i know mackenzie you often are like oh i'm always challenged when we have a season i have these big ahas yes um, and maybe suzanne maybe you had a personal one too or you just had something you want to share with with uh listeners of like this is the one thing that stands out in my mind mm, i have one right away mm-hmm Okay, one of mine is I'm doing way more financial socialization for my kids than I thought. And the first episode of the season, I was like, Ugh, I have some room for improvement. And you're like, stop, stop. And I thought you were just being nice. And I'm like, oh, no, like we are. And I mean, me individually, right? Like our family, but also as like our listeners and our viewers, chances are you're doing yeah. more, whether intentionally or unintentionally, than you think. Um, again, we don't always give a lot of thought to this financial part of our lives but obviously mm -hmm. significant things that go along with it so i would say like we're doing more than we think and there's great opportunities to do it in like practical ways that mm -hmm. really align with your values mm -hmm. 
That's I love it. Yeah. And, and I think I said in a previous episode, you don't give yourself enough credit because all the examples that you've used this season have been really impressive that you oh, do have so many conversations and, um, and examples that you, that you provided. They're like, wow, you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, when we were kind of contemplating implicit versus explicit mm. financial socialization, so implicit being like the unspoken lessons versus the explicit socialization being those real purposive, purposive, um, Mm -hmm. lessons Uh, for me, just reflecting on my childhood and the imprint of my parents implicit because they were not overt teachers Mm. of money management lessons, but just how that plays out in your adult life and your consumer behavior and your financial behaviors, I think, um, I think is just so important to, for everybody to, to spend that time thinking about it. Yeah. Like, mm. what am I doing today based on what my parents or guardian and my household taught me? It could be a grandparent. It could be aunt, uncle. Yes. But, um, how is it playing out in today, in today's real time? Mm. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I, yeah. I say we, we, Ken's, we had some impact on Suzanne who knows a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm oh, feeling yes, good about did. it. Oh yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we love it. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the uh, last response mm-hmm. to the last stop breathe talk of the season. It's been great having you around Suzanne. Thank um, you, Mackenzie. You're awesome producer. <laughs> well, thanks. Oh, thanks. thanks Oh yeah, we're so glad to have her. Uh, because that is that like that wraps it. There it is, season eleven, talking about kids and money. And I mean, yeah, today specifically in our episode, talking about consumption and strategies for raising responsible consumers, and I mean the long term impact that can happen from overconsumption or positive, right? Living in alignment with our financial, you know, values and our family goals and things, but. I mean, gosh, this whole season. I mean, I feel like, I mean, yes, Mackenzie's bow really, her question really ties it all in a bow of, we did, I mean, talk about financial socialization. We talked about the implicit and explicit. We talked about what influences how we use our money, right? And even just, I mean, I learned a lot of new terms like financial well-being and financial capability. And it was great to kind of break it down by age, right? That episode on kids, the episode on teens, and then some specific to emerging adults. But I mean, man, we covered a lot this season, Suzanne. <laughs> we did. Yeah. And you did an amazing job organizing all the research and, and putting the episodes together. So you definitely get the credit. I appreciate you uh, putting a focus on the topic. And, you know, it's it's money's at the it should be should not doesn't have to be complicated. It can mm. be very simple, but it is um part of our everyday life and practically everything we do, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. Well, and and thank you. I mean, yes, I was organizing pieces that you brought to the table with your expertise. And so it's been great to collaborate and talk through. And honestly, for me, like I said, at the beginning of the season, I didn't know, I don't always give this a lot of thought, this like financial parenting. And so it's been great to dig into that with you and hear your expertise and insight and share with our viewers. So Thank you so much for joining us this season as our guest co-host. We've loved having you here chatting through all of this stuff. And so it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yes, it has been a lot of fun. Mm. All right. Well, that's a wrap, I think. So as always, (laughs) thank you for joining us here on the Science of Parenting podcast today. And for listeners, remember that you can join us on social media, Facebook or Twitter at Science of Parents. And you can see our content in your feed and stay caught up with us between seasons.
So come along as we tackle ups and downs, the ins and outs, and the research and reality all around the science of parenting. The Science of Parenting is hosted by Mackenzie Johnson, produced by Mackenzie DeYoung, with research and writing by Barbara Dunn Swanson. Send in questions and comments to parenting at iastate.edu and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. This institution is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to www.extension.iastate.edu slash diversity slash ext.